0: Hawkeye nation podcast Hawkeye Nation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob hi with you once again on a Monday what's up Rob oh we're, maybe, we're almost October man it feels almost like it too <laughs> October. It, it's starting to feel like like football weather we had you know major college football this past weekend uh the NFL is now deep into its schedule it it, it, it feels it feels right it feels as fall as uh as I hoped it would feel you know dealing with a global pandemic.
1: Yeah, and it's—I mean—if you watched any football on Saturday, any college football on Saturday, we kind of been talking about how crazy and unpredictable things could be in college football, and man, it was wild on Saturday.
0: It really was, you know. And and I think uh, we're seeing it in a lot of ways. Obviously, uh, injuries is is a factor um, in both college and the NFL. We've seen that already, and I think just uh just you know less uh, of a, a normal off season, less spring football, things like that. Uh, and and no non-conference games or, or fewer non-conference games for most teams has, has been interesting. I, I think
1: that's the big one, Andrew. Yeah. I think, you know, when you go right into the conference play, there's no there's no transition there at all. And having a lot of schools not having played in the spring and, you know, truncated uh, preseasons. I mean, it's, it's sloppy, no doubt. I mean, a
0: lot of penalties, a lot of turnovers, like yeah. you said, a
1: lot of injuries.
0: A lot of mistakes on special teams. It feels like yeah. you know, maybe in a, a truncated preseason, they decided, yeah, we'll work on special teams later. Uh, but we've seen a lot of missed kicks and uh, bad coverage and things like that. But it has been fun to, to watch. Uh, you know, I, I heard... Um, the the Pac twelve you know some of those schools and they are playing that that was announced last week they they'll start what a week or two after the the Big Ten but try to get seven games in before the the college football playoff committee has to come together and and bring us a final four but I was hearing. Um I heard one of the coaches on one of the radio shows last late last week, and he was saying, you know, the the other leagues have at least had you know weight training, and you know, we've talked all summer about the things Iowa could and couldn't do, but for for the most part, they were together and, and working on things, albeit in a weird situation. Uh, but the Pac-12, a lot of those schools are starting from absolute scratch. You know, haven't been allowed to be in weight rooms, haven't been allowed to gather in groups that size because of uh, the you know the states that they live in had stricter uh, enforcement and. and and so they're saying, we got six weeks to basically get a preseason strength regimen in, you implement all of our playbook and all of that practice, get pads on, do all of that. So that's going to be interesting to see you know, as the Big Ten and then Pac-12 and other leagues start up here in the next month or so, how much of this just kind of continues. And we will just notice how weird, you know, I guess the effects of the weird offseason.
1: Yeah, like you're saying, I wonder if, like, by the time the Big Ten and the Pac-12 come back, that these other leagues will have settled in, and then we go back, to, you know, to two Power Five conferences that are out, you know, penalties, <laughs> sloppy play, right. injuries, Upsets. I hope not. I mean, you hope that, um, you know, that stuff is mitigated here through this preseason training. But we've already talked about that. This is really condensed and. It's, I mean, it's somewhat concerning. And Kirk Ferentz has mentioned he's concerned about it as well, the soft tissue injuries and just be, being able to play. I mean, I know it's different and, and you have to adjust during a pandemic. But, I mean, if we go back to, you know, the spring, Andrew, I mean, Kirk was talking about six to eight weeks to get a team ready. He doesn't have that now. And I know they've had different stages of training in the summer But they were let, you know, they sent them home when the season was postponed for two weeks. Then they had a week off with positive tests. It's just, you know, you hope for the best, but you have to prepare for. some setbacks I, I think it'd be foolish not to
0: and I think it's gonna be really interesting Rob to see how like the fans react to this season because uh, we're gonna go through your game by game predictions and uh, and kind of lay out what what you see the season looking like here in, in a few minutes and you have that column up on Hawkeye nationcom if people haven't checked that out yet uh, but you know I just kind of went through there quickly and I see three losses and it's like okay you know a three loss regular season that's not bad and then I remember well that's out of eight games that's five and three that's not going to feel like a nine and three season. If, if Iowa, you know, goes five and three or four and four or God forbid, worse than that, even like a six and two, uh, which would be a great season with this schedule, it's just it's it's all going to feel so different. These kind of numbers that we all have had ingrained in our heads of you know this number of wins is a good season and this number of wins is a disappointment. Uh, we we have to kind of change everything, and it's easy to say that and and, and rationalize it right now, but when they snap the ball, one thing I'm finding with all of these sports is when I'm in the game, when I'm watching one of my teams play one of these games, I'm not thinking about well, yeah, they've had a tough time. You know, this this is a weird thing. And uh, you know, when the Giants lost to the Padres yesterday and, and knocked themselves out of the playoffs, I didn't think, well, you know, it's a 60 game season. I didn't expect much of them anyway. And I'm just glad they got to play. I'm thinking, damn it, why did you blow that lead? You know, it's it's. I'm still just as upset and in, invested as a fan. Uh, I so, wonder if if you know Kirk and company are going to get any any breaks this this year. How the hell are you a Giants fan? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, my my dad grew up in Wisconsin, and he was the, the second son. And uh, so his dad and his his older brother were big Milwaukee Braves fans, and he wanted uh. to, to rebel against that a little bit. And so he, he asked my grandma, hey, who should I be a fan of? I don't want to be a fan of the Braves. And she said, well, you know, I hear this Willie Mays guy is supposed to be pretty good. Maybe you should be a fan of his. Uh, my dad became a fan of the Giants in the, the late 50s and passed it on to me, and it was a— it was it was rough until this past decade rob when it all paid off for me and we won three world yeah. series and uh, that was a lot of fun but uh, and you're know, a Lakers fan. I'm a Lakers fan. That, that, <laughs> that was just the Kobe thing. Uh, I didn't, okay. you know, I, I grew up, you know, I liked Jordan like everybody did, but I was never a big Bulls fan, never really an NBA fan. Uh, but my oldest brother, my older brother, got into got into the Lakers and got into Kobe and Shaq, you know, at the, the turn of the century. And okay. I would sit and watch games with him. And over that you know, over that time, it's it was hard not to fall in love with that team and and with Kobe himself, uh, you know, just kind of the way he carried himself as a a 16-year-old, really. uh, I loved that. Um, And so, yeah, I became a Lakers fan that way. Uh, I became a Bears fan because they used to do training camp at Platteville, Wisconsin, and that's right by where my parents grew up in Potosi. And so we gotcha. go over to visit my grandma's in the fall, or you know, late summer, and we drive over to Platteville and watch the Bears uh, do training camp. And so even though my dad is a Packers fan and, and my brothers are as well, I uh, I got love for the Bears. So you know, you grow up in Iowa and the Hawkeyes are your team for most of us, uh, and then you get to kind of pick and choose your your other teams. So that that's been kind of fun.
1: Yeah, that's the one. Have been one of the more interesting dy- dynamics. I mean, I moved here in '97 from um, New Jersey, grew up in New York, and, and uh, you know, i am a long-suffering Mets, Jets, Knicks, and Islanders fan. Although the Islanders had a decent season, the Jets are just <laughs> so bad. But that was one of the interesting things coming out here was seeing, uh, particularly um, with baseball and football, yeah. the the you know. The, the cubs cardinals the the bears vikings packers you know chiefs are in there too but that that bears pike that Bears-Packers-Vikings kind of rivalry. that And you see all of that in Iowa, which is kind
0: of cool. It's uh, I, I've, I've always been jealous of people who have grown up in cities or areas with professional teams where you have that like real strong tie and, and kind of everybody around you is going for the same thing. Uh, so I, I feel like I've missed out on that, but I do get the kind of pick-and-choose uh, best of, of that world. So, so I, I do appreciate that part of growing up here in Iowa. Uh, but back to my point. Do you think yeah, that, no no prep. no, you're good <laughs> that was that was fun. Uh, do you think that fans will give Kirk and Company any sort of a break any sort of leeway um, to have maybe a disappointing season this year and, and understand that hey this was a weird year and we, we should just be happy we had fall football at all?
1: I think rational people will do that, but I think the <laughs> amount of rational people that are sports fans are become it's becoming they're becoming fewer and fewer of those folks. And yes. all you have to do really is, if you're on social media, just follow a fan base, whether it be Saturday in college football with Iowa State, or you know Bears fans yesterday before they were able to come yeah. back against the Falcons, what that was like on. I just think. That, that filter that people might use in this situation to say, hey, these are really crazy times, unusual times. I think there will be people that will, will, will judge this, judge the Iowa football season on a curve based on, uh, you know, no spring football, very choppy preseason, quick preseason now, that season was canceled, now it's, you know, back again. All of those factors that go into it, I think you... I think rationally you have to, to acknowledge those things. But then when you're just sitting there on a Saturday afternoon, morning, evening, whenever it may be, and you're watching your team, I, I just think it's hard not to put on that critical you know thinking hat when you're watching the game and saying the quarterback messed this up, the coach mm-hmm. messed this up, whatever is going on. But hopefully, you know, it's it's a season with a lot more positives than negatives and you don't have to deal with that. But there's always there's always adversity, no matter what the season and, and what the team. So I, I think people will still kind of fall back into habits when that comes, you know, when that when those things come about.
0: Yeah. Hopefully by, you know, each Monday when you and I get together and, and talk about a game, I will have that rational part of me back and, and I'll be able to, to speak about it uh, on that curve. But yeah, during the games and in those instant reaction podcasts and things like that, in, in those moments where I'm really just kind of being driven by emotion, I, I just I think I'm going to have a really hard time taking myself out of the this is Hawkeye football and this is kind of everything to me right now uh, mindset. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. And also interesting to see uh, I had some people ask me this before the Big Ten announced they were going to come back. You know, if you knew Iowa was going to be bad this year, you know, if you knew they were go- they were going to go four and four in an eight game season uh, would you even want it you know and, and I think at that time the answer is certainly yes and and now it's certainly yes but uh, talk to me after one of those four losses right talk to me after Iowa blows a game against Northwestern or something like that and <laughs> there's a decent chance that the emotional part of me will say damn it why'd we even bring this back I'd, I'd, be, I'd have been better off if I just didn't have Hawkeye football this year
1: yeah and I think you know, I think that's going to be the the, uh, the approach of a lot of fans. Just I think, again, it's just habit and, and the natural way to approach it. I think what what's always interesting is it's hard to just say, you know, wh- fi- all five and threes, all four and fours, all six and twos are not created equal. And I think ultimately for Iowa – it's winning the West Division. Mm. However, that happens. If Iowa doesn't win the West Division, that's ultimately how it's judged. Um, because we saw, I mean, Iowa State loses at home to Louisiana and then goes on the road and beats TCU. That makes no sense. So, what if Iowa loses at Purdue, but then comes back and wins at Penn State? Mm. You know, or you know loses at Purdue but beats Wisconsin you just you, i think it's going to be a wild season that way and there it's going to be there's going to be, it's going to be unpredictable and not make sense at times just based on what we, our preconceived notions of what it should like, it should look like, and, and what it may look like on paper. Um, but ultimately, for me, Andrew, I think people are going to judge this season is Iowa in the Big Ten championship game or is it not? Yeah. And that would be what, 16, 17, 18, 19, or five years in a row of not being in the Big Ten championship. And that's ultimately, I think, what people will judge the season on
0: well we're gonna go game by game here in just a couple of minutes uh, Wednesday the pads come on or at least that's the plan as of now when uh, the daily testing begins September 30th and we are less than four weeks away from game one uh, you you put out a two deep Rob uh, you had put one out in, in July and you and I went through that pretty detailed back then uh, as we were kind of grasping for content to talk about uh, each week but um, <laughs> so, so we, we won't go we won't go position by position here uh, but you you've adjusted it a little bit to to kind of reflect a couple of changes that that have happened in Hawkeye Nation since then. Uh, but uh, I, I guess at what what are the important changes from your two deep from July to the two deep now? Uh, you know, and and everything that's happened in the interim.
1: Yeah, not a ton, Andrew. I think um, obviously, well, not obviously because I because every day is like a year during the pandemic, but. Um, some changes just roster wise that happened uh since i think it was july 28th i published the first uh it, you know iteration of the two deep and i had Al- oliver martin on there obviously he's gone now and is at nebraska so he's no, no longer on there and i replaced him with desmond hudson uh, a red shirt freshman from um missouri uh, Tory Taylor, who we've talked about on and off throughout the offseason, the freshman pr- punter from Australia, uh, has been added uh, to the roster. And, um, well, he, I guess he's always been on the roster. He actually got his visa issues worked out and uh, has made it over from Australia. So good news there. So he'll compete with Ryan Gersandi and Nick Phelps for the starting punter position, which, as we all know, here at Iowa is you know, a, a crucial position. Yes. yes. Um, and then just before we were started, um, and I haven't made this change yet on my two deep, but just before we started recording today, I was able to confirm Andrew that Jaimon Colbert, the starting weak side linebacker for Iowa, the last, um, two seasons has opted out for the season. And Hmm. Kirk had mentioned, uh, that there were some guys considering that he has decided to opt out for the season, He's going to train, focus on school, and then he plans on being back for the 2021 season. Oh. NCAA rules say you don't lose uh, a year of eligibility this fall, whether you play or not. So I um, haven't been able to to talk to him about why the decision was made but uh the choice that he's made is to is to sit out this season so i'll have to go back into that story (laughs) as with everything else this year where you know you wait a minute and something will change yes uh, I'll have to go back in and kind of tweak that a little bit. I think there are a number, there are a couple guys that you could possibly look there. Uh, Jack Campbell uh, played some middle linebacker last year when Christian Welch was out, and uh, I think Nick Neiman will be the starting middle linebacker. But you could potentially move Nick to the weak side and maybe have Jack in the middle or vice versa. I think Seth Benson's probably in that mix. Uh, Justin Jacobs, who who redshirted last year, a highly regarded kid out of the Detroit area, uh, is at that linebacker spot who could potentially see himself in that mix. Uh, Barrington Wade is another guy, a fifth-year senior, who's played a little bit. So they've got some options there at linebacker, but obviously you uh, lose a two-year start in Jaimon Colbert at that weak side linebacker, um, it leaves a question. You got to fill that spot.
0: That's, that's really interesting uh, and, and good information there. Do you uh, expect anybody else, or, or I guess would, would you be surprised? Is there anybody else that, that it wouldn't surprise you if they ultimately decide to opt out this season as well?
1: Uh, Nothing surprises me this year, (laughs) but I haven't – his name was the only one that I had heard, but Kirk did say a few guys, so I'm not sure. Uh, It's so hard to know in these crazy times what's in the mind, Uh, but you look at it logistically, some guys that you could potentially see doing that, Alaric Jackson, Amir Smith-Marset, Brandon Smith, guys that, you know – are going to have a, a kind of a, a season pushed and rushed into and maybe want to protect themselves for the NFL. Mm. I think all of those guys probably need film this year to, to help their um, to to, uh, you know, raise their stock, if you know, so to speak, for the NFL. So. We'll see you never know um, but I, I haven't heard any uh, any other names that could potentially do that
0: all right uh, let, let's go game by game you uh, you made your predictions on Hawkeye I'll make mine kind of as we go here first of all do you think they will they will get through every game I, I do and this is why it's that the daily testing uh, they, they won't be in a bubble. But the daily testing is about as close to a bubble as I think you can get with football, or at least with college football. um, You know, short of of the actual you know bubbling, Uh, because they they'll be able to pull guys out very quickly, and they'll be able to kind of do that contact tracing very quickly. Now, obviously, if Iowa, you know suffers some sort of big outbreak or, or another school, um, you know, th- there's always the potential of that. And we're seeing that kind of around the country. But we also aren't seeing any other conferences with this daily testing yet. Uh, so I, I do think that makes it possible. Now, whether every guy will play every game or you know th- that sort of a thing. Uh, but I do think this, this gives them a, a real possibility to get eight games in and, and I guess ultimately nine games in nine weeks.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm really interested to see how this daily tes- testing is going to uh, impact. Um you know, uh, how the, you know, the contact tracing. Obviously, that's the big thing, as you mentioned, is being able to contain uh, the virus as soon as it's detected and that you would think with the daily testing. Now, the daily testing isn't perfect. I I don't, people shouldn't think that, okay, the daily test, usually when they, you know, that somebody tests positive for that, they go to the next test, whatever the the more um, thorough test Mm -hmm. is. And there was a school that didn't play a college that didn't play this weekend that ended up the tests were wrong there they read the test wrong
0: yes, did, you, did you see that I, what, did. Who was uh, it? I don't remember exactly who it was but uh yes i did see that and, and that's that's a concern too is that those false negatives or false positives
1: yeah that, and that's you know that <laughs> there's so many different layers to this right andrew that it's such an it's it's such an imperfect system yeah and you and we're, we're learning as we go along here so hopefully the big Ten can benefit from all of these things all of these hiccups and hurdles that are being cleared now um but you know we have to expect that there will be more showing up at the end of uh next month when when the big 10 returns but I, you know, I, I think as we as time passes, I think the percentages of playing are greater. I mean, we've seen the NFL be able to pull this thing mm-hmm. off without a hitch. The NBA, the WNBA, NHL, um, those are in bubbles, so, you know, you have to consider that. But I think with the conference, you know, only schedule and being able to contain, um, you know, the players once – You're looking at less than a month before Iowa goes all online learning. Uh, So I I think that will help protect the players. I'm with you. I like the chances of them getting through this eight-game schedule. Um, But uh, I don't know. To think – I don't know if I would bet on the Big Ten – being able to get through this season without any postponements, mm. I guess we'll, they would be cancellations, right? Because there are only right. makeup dates. Right. So I, I don't know if, if I would if I would put my my somewhat hard-earned money down on them getting through without a hitch.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. All right, let's go game by game, and uh, and week one got a lot tougher late last week when uh, when Rondo Moore announced that he will opt back into the season for Purdue. Uh, he and and David Bell is is I mean maybe the most prolific duo in the country. Uh, so so that that. That game got a lot tougher, I think, for Iowa, especially you know in, in a in the first game where you don't have uh, those non-conference games. This the secondary is going to be uh, going to be tested on October 24th at Purdue. You have the Hawkeyes winning by three, at least you did uh, when you wrote this column a week ago. But as you said earlier, uh, you think one thing one minute, and the next the next minute something changes. Uh, does the return of Rondale Moore make you want to change this pick, Rob? Uh, kind
1: of. <laughs> yeah. But I still think Iowa's the better, well, more well-rounded team. Let's put it that way. I think when you talk about offense, defense, special teams, I still think Iowa is a notch above where Purdue is. That said, and we've talked about it before, it's a tough matchup for Iowa. Yeah. Jeff Brom has found a way that many other offensive coordinators have not been able to do um and that's find a way to attack phil parker's defense and isolate iowa in certain situations uh where it's been able to burn uh iowa in the secondary and with as you said with rondell moore coming back that that creates that even more concern that that will happen again but and also you just factor in it's the first game these teams have played Mm -hmm. in what 10 months yeah roughly I mean it's really hard so you really just have to go on okay this is what I see on paper and expect to happen
0: but who the heck knows? Yeah, I'm going to go with you and say Iowa wins that game and, and give them a one and zero start. But I, I worry about the fact that this this game could turn into a shootout with those with that offense that Purdue has, and then kind of the the success they've had against Iowa uh, the last couple of seasons. And if that's the case, you know, can a, a quarterback making his first start? compete in, in that I mean even with all the pieces he has around him even with all the speed on the edge uh, and, and a good offensive line in front of him uh, can Spencer Petrus compete in a shootout game in his very first game you know on the road in the Big Ten it'll be interesting to see uh, hopefully Iowa's defense can find ways to, to slow those guys down and and that won't be uh, the case moving forward to uh to the next game game two it's Halloween night in Iowa City Northwestern comes to town and uh, and and you've got this game as a win Rob
1: Yeah and again I think these are um, I don't know how you want to frame them these are these first two weeks I think are really, Iowa needs to win these two weeks. We yeah. talked about, or I talked about, judging this season on winning the West Division. Um, and you would think that winning these first two weeks would be critical in being able to do that. They're yes. both divisional games, um, but they're both really scary. I mean, you talked about Rondell Moore coming back for Purdue, and and you know Jeff Brom's ability to figure out ways to attack Iowa's normally stingy defense. Week two, you got Fitz, man. Yep. Fitz who gives Iowa Fitz, and he's got a quarterback this year in Indiana transfer Peyton Ramsey. Um, and that's what that team was lacking last year. I mean, it was lacking other things, but it was pretty solid defensively. And Fitz usually has a solid defense. So if this offense could be competent, they're going to be tough again. I definitely think Northwestern could be a dark horse in this division,
0: and then they'll be coming off a, a likely win against Maryland, uh, and you know maybe uh, maybe they've kind of hit a stride or, or found you know at least gotten Peyton Ramsey into that offense where he feels comfortable when they they come in for week two. You know how Iowa plays against Purdue, I think, will have a lot of impact on how we see this game against Northwestern uh, because you know as I said, if Iowa you know comes out of there looking good and Petrus look good and they, they get a nice win, you feel good if they. Come out, you know, licking their wounds and uh, suffered an early loss. You worry a little bit about this Northwestern team. You have them ranked uh, in in another column. You kind of ranked from easiest to hardest Iowa's eight opponents, Uh, and you've got Northwestern up there, up there at number four. You know, ahead of the likes of Purdue and Nebraska, Uh, and I think that's probably right on. Uh, so that, that is going to be a, a difficult game, uh, an important game, as you alluded to. Uh, I will go with you and say Iowa g- gets off to a 2-0 start, but <laughs> those first two games, as you said, those are scary. Uh, a little less scary in Game 3 as, uh, as a uh, a weak, a weakened Michigan State team maybe comes to town. Uh, Rocky Lombardi likely under quarterback, an, an Iowa native, so he'll have a lot to play for. But uh, this will be an interesting uh, first time we've seen Michigan State under this new regime. Uh, and, and again, in your kind of ranking of of these opponents, you've got Michigan State as as the worst, the eighth best, I should say, of Iowa's eight opponents. So I feel pretty comfortable uh, going with you and predicting a win here.
1: Yeah, I think this is Iowa's easiest game, and maybe I'll be w- way off on that, um, but. Michigan State. I just offensively, and that's not to take anything away from Rocky. I I think he's got a change. He's been in the system. Well, I shouldn't even say that. He's not been in the system because <laughs> right. it's a coaching change. They're just, I mean, moving parts in East Lansing. New coach, uh, new quarterback. Defense will probably be good. They they've got just personnel wise. The Spartans are still pretty good on that side of the ball. I just I wonder how. They weren't good on offense last year, and, and I'm, i I find a I find it hard to believe they're going to be much better this year. Um, this game will probably look something like Northwestern last year for Iowa, where Iowa basically just played conservative football for four quarters, knew it just as long as it scored, a, you know, a you know a couple touchdowns it's probably going to be enough to win. And I kind of see this game shaping up the same way.
0: Yeah, it's uh, oof, it's. I was looking through, you know, just your predictions, and this is the only game that you have that's that's not close. I think the the closest game outside of this you have is like a six four. The, the the biggest blowout, one way or the other, I should say, is like a six point game. You've got Iowa winning by a couple of scores here, and and I like that prediction. Things get a lot tougher in game four, and then this this is the two game stretch, a very pivotal stretch. Um, you know, assuming Iowa comes into this at three and O, oh, uh, these these next two games will really tell you if it's going to be a a great season a good season or a, a ho-hum season um because you go to minnesota on november 14th and you've got a a fired up minnesota team a, a coach in pj fleck who hasn't beaten kirk ference yet um it's a, a program that saw iowa kind of ruin their season last last year tanner morgan is great um Again, we will know a lot more about these teams as we get into November and have seen them play a couple of games. But uh, right here, I think this game is as big a toss up as anything on the schedule.
1: Yeah, another critical divisional game against a team that's, you know, you're was in the hunt last year for the division title who i expect to be in the hunt again this year no there are a lot of pj fleck haters out there people that don't like his act it's good coach he's one yeah. where he's been uh i think he's built a solid foundation here he's got to replace and we'll see another guy we haven't talked about andrew is rashad bateman yeah um it, he could still opt back in I, I haven't heard anything on him one way or the other um, but if he does end up coming back and playing, that's that's obviously a huge uh, shot in the arm for, for the Gophers. Um, this is a tough game. I, I this, this game, I, I don't think that's breaking news, that this will be a tough game mm-hmm. for Iowa. Um, but much like those first two games against Purdue and Northwestern, uh, I, I think a lot of these games are toss-up games, really, that could go either way, at least on paper, without knowing the – other factors that that may come into play
0: you've got minnesota winning this game by a point in your predictions i'll go with you there i will say uh, Iowa suffers its first loss of the season in game four at minnesota then they turn right around and go to penn state uh will be interested to see if any fans are allowed in the stands by this time uh you know the Big Ten has said that they don't plan to sell uh public tickets right now but um Gary Barta kind of left the door open for that saying you know later in the season if things have changed that that could be something that's changed we've seen that happening around the country Iowa State will have 15,000 fans in Jack Trice Stadium this weekend uh Saturday night when Oklahoma comes to town uh, so whether or not I mean, I don't expect a hundred thousand at Penn State, but if they if they're able to put twenty twenty five thousand in there, I do I do think it changes this game a little bit, uh, maybe not a ton, but certainly a little bit. And I think Iowa benefits if if there are no fans or you know the the handful of you know family members and things that'll be at every game in the Big Ten this fall. Um, This is another kind of toss-up game, or at least it has been over the last handful of matchups, although Penn State has won six in a row. They've kind of dominated this series as of late. Um, They've had Iowa's number. I will pick Iowa to lose to Minnesota and then turn around and upset Penn State. I think Iowa goes 1-1 and in this two-game stretch, uh, and so that's how I'm going to say it right now, Uh, but you do have Iowa falling and, and losing both of these games.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, again, it's just looking at these games on paper and then, you know, they are road games. Who knows what that means this right, year? I, right. You know, you, you looked at some of the road games that are happening around the country right now in the major, you know, in the Power Five conferences. The home field doesn't seem to to mean a whole lot, but we'll have to see. Well, like you said, there, there we could get to a point uh, at that, you know, when, when fans are starting to be allowed back into the stadiums, at least on a limited basis. Um, experienced quarterback, experienced running back, Talented receiver, very good tight end, pretty good on the lines. Um, Penn State, I just think, is one of the more talented. After Ohio State, to me, the most talented team on paper in the conference. So for me, that's why I'm leaning with the the Nittany Lions here.
0: And again, referencing back to your, you know, for worst to first opponent rankings, you've got Penn State as uh, as number one ahead of Wisconsin, and then Minnesota as Iowa's uh, three toughest matchups. And I, I agree with you completely there. I'm, I'm more with my my he- my heart than my head uh, <laughs> in picking Iowa to finally get over the hump and and you know catch one of these breaks at the end of one of these Penn State games and and have it go our way for once uh, as it hasn't in the last handful of years. Although I'm sure. Penn State fans will point back to the you know the first 10 years of this century and say well you know we we, we were owed a few here as well it was we, we were due a couple of times uh, to, to, to get over a, a little bit
1: they're the, usually great games though they I are. would expect something I would I would expect another exciting game for sure
0: well a couple of exciting games the last couple of years against Nebraska I expect this game to be moved up to Black Friday I, I certainly hope it is uh, that's been such a great spot I think we were all kind of upset that it was going away for a couple of years and and it will come back, but it's kind of a nice... Uh, one of the positives of this pandemic would be if, if Iowa and Nebraska get to renew their rivalry on Black Friday again here. And this Nebraska team, you just never know. I mean, is this the year that they put it together? Is this the year that uh, Martinez looks like a great quarterback? Is this the year that Frost has his guys and, and kind of you know becomes that coach that all of Nebraska expects him to finally become? Um, until I see it, I'm not going to bet on it. Uh, maybe Nebraska will figure something out and win the West this year. Again, uh, I don't put it be- beyond them by any means. But until I see it, I'm not going to bet on it. So I'm going to pick Iowa to win a six straight over the Huskers.
1: Yeah, until I see Nebraska put it together, as you said, I'm, I'm not going there yet. I mean, we've had evidence here that it's just it, it hasn't been able to put it together. You see flashes here and there. Um, and there's ta- certainly talent on the roster. It's recruited well um, since Frost has been there. Even before, I mean, it, it's consistently recruited well. The difference for me is in the trenches. Nebraska just hasn't been able to match up with the other Big Ten teams up front. And you've got to figure that out before you can compete on a consistent basis. And they've got more experience on both fronts. Um so we'll see if they're able to take that step forward. If they can solidify uh, the offense and defensive lines, I think the skill players are talented enough. Uh, Wondell Robinson doesn't get a lot of pub, mm. and he got hurt at uh, last year, towards the end of last year, and, and, and wasn't you know himself. But he's kind of Rondell more light. You get the ball in his hand in space, and he can create a whole lot of problems. Martinez is a good quarterback who also was hurt last year uh, and wasn't the same after the leg injury. Um If Nebraska can stay healthy and figure things out on the offensive line – and defensive line I think can be competitive the talent is there but again I got to see it first before I believe it
0: you know and then like uh, we talk about you know Iowa will maybe be benefiting from you know fewer fans in in at Penn State uh I was certainly hurt here by not having the the raucous uh you know Kinnick stadium crowd for for this game I, I think uh certainly a couple of years ago uh that that helped a lot you know Iowa even against you know subpar Nebraska teams has, has struggled in this game or certainly in the second half of these games the last couple of years before coming back to kind of win late, on a, a long field late goal. field goals. Yeah. Both
1: games were Miguel Racinos in eighteen and Duncan last year. They needed. I mean, these are. These have not been
0: blowouts. No, and, and you can bet that Scott Frost is going to be playing that, that Keith Duncan pose <laughs> a few times that week, oh, get, yeah. getting his guys fired up. That that should be fun, and uh, that's really kind of grown into a great rivalry. At Illinois, December 5th, the second-to-last game, and you know what's what's on the line here? What does Iowa need to do to get into a game against Wisconsin that, that actually means something? Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of where the Hawkeyes are and, and how motivated they are for this game, because they've really had no trouble with Illinois over the last decade or so uh more trouble last season as as lovey smith's defense kind of came on and uh iowa didn't didn't blow out illinois by any means um as as they have the last you know a couple of times before that so i think it's easy to look at illinois and say well that's a certain certainly a win but um it'll be interesting to see kind of what Iowa is playing for or is not playing for and uh, and maybe the same thing with with illinois
1: Agree, Andrew. And it's an interesting dynamic. Iowa had its way with Lovey Smith's teams the the first few years, um, I guess three years it would have been, um, and then he took over the defense last year, and they, you know, the alignment was much better on that side of the ball. Um, but Iowa pretty much just had to roll it out there, conservative game plan, not take chances, and was they were, you know, it was still able to roll Illinois. Uh, In previous years, last year, if you remember that Minnesota game, Iowa got creative on offense and and started fast and was able to hang on in that game. But then the following week against Illinois, very conservative zone, inside zone, outside zone. Tyler Goodson couldn't get going. Illinois stuffed the run, held Iowa, and made it into a game. Um, I think we're past that point where Iowa can just show up, play a conservative game plan, and beat Illinois. Iowa's going to have to make some plays, and it's not a layup anymore against Illinois. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a trap game. That's between Nebraska and Wisconsin, I think, is a classic trap game. So, definitely a a dicey spot there against a much-improved Illinois team that has, you know – a veteran quarterback and Brandon Peters and some really good skill players and a very underrated offensive line. Keep an eye on that. Illinois is very experienced on the offensive line and got much better at that spot last year.
0: Well, as we arrive at week eight, Rob, I'm realizing that that so far I've picked the the Hawkeyes to go six and one, and uh, I absolutely can't. Homer pick, alert! <laughs> I actually, I absolutely can't pick them to lose to Wisconsin. So I'm I'm gonna have to go back and, and revise my picks at some point here. <laughs> Although I did, when the schedule came out, I kind of jokingly tweeted, "Hey, seven and one, here we go." Um, I, my my pride just won't let me uh, pick Iowa to lose to Wisconsin, and, and that has caused me to pick wrong in this game more often than not over the last 10 years, uh, certainly in, in basketball as well. But um, this is – I talked about this last week, and I've thought about it some more since then, Rob, and, and I, I feel even stronger about it right now. For Iowa to get over this kind of hump with uh, with Wisconsin, this – as you put in your column, this 800-pound gorilla that's been on Iowa's back for for a decade now—they uh, can't just beat Wisconsin, and it can't just be a normal game. It's got to have something on the line. They need to take something from Wisconsin. Uh, they need to go and uh, and and win the West against Wisconsin. They need to stop Wisconsin from winning the West in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, However this plays out, whatever the situation is, I do think there just needs to be more on the line for Iowa to really get up for this game. And and to have it, I I guess... You know, obviously Iowa can win. if They you know, they could both be 0-7, and Iowa still wins, and it's great. They beat, they beat Wisconsin. What I'm saying is for this rivalry to kind of start turning back the other way, because it, 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 has, it has been one-sided for a decade now, for it to even start to come back to Iowa's way and, and even start to even out a little bit. Uh, Iowa can't just beat a bad Wisconsin team or a decent Wisconsin team. They need to take something from Wisconsin, and uh, I'm hoping that this is the year that, that they at least have that that opportunity when Wisconsin comes to kinnick stadium december 12th uh because i feel like the schedule makers line this up pretty well to say hey uh these could be the two best teams in the west and uh if they play on that final weekend this this could send one team into the big 10 championship game um i will pick Iowa to win this game again because i will never pick wisconsin to beat iowa but i I don't feel good about it rob I'm, i'm nervous about this game already and we're two months away
1: yeah, like Purdue, this is a tough matchup for Iowa schematically. The three-four defense that Wisconsin plays usually gives the Hawkeyes trouble, um, not knowing where those that pass rush is coming from. Iowa's been unable to generate any offense on the ground against against Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin seems to be able to make the big play uh, on offense, and just a terrible uh, recipe if you're you're an Iowa fan. And like you said, I, this for for this. To be um, that next step for the Iowa program, the the division needs to be on the line in this game. And you know, is Wisconsin in, or excuse me, Minnesota in the mix this last week? Is you know, Northwestern has Northwestern risen up and and put itself back into title contention. It won the division two years ago. Um, It really, as, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, Iowa for for me, I think just gauging the you know the temperature of the fan base it, it's iowa needs to win the division this year for it to be a, a successful season and that road goes through madison and can iowa finally break through it, it did it in 2015 mm-hmm. and you were like okay maybe 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 i was there but just boom right back down again and wisconsin's just kind of put its thumb on iowa again so, um, really, it's it's it, it, this. You, you hope. That this is what the season comes down to, playing for a championship on that last weekend. And really, I think that's going to be the gauge of whether or not this was a successful season in a lot of fans' minds.
0: You've got the Hawkeyes going 5-3 and three in your early predictions. Apparently, I have them going 7-1, and one, although... Uh, I hope six, you're right. 6-2 and two is probably a little more realistic. I just don't know where that that second loss will be. Will it be that Penn State game? Uh, will they go 0-2 against them in Minnesota in that middle stretch? Will it be Purdue in, in Week 1, which I think is uh, certainly a possibility. It'll be interesting. I will. Uh, I'll have to think long and hard over the next couple of weeks about uh, when I actually want to put my name on these <laughs> predictions and uh, and and go forward there. Do you um?
1: Do you agree with that assessment? I do. That, that it's win the West or bust.
0: I, I do. Yeah. You know, because that's kind of the thing that that hasn't been done these last couple of seasons. You know, last year was a great season. Ten wins. You win a nice bowl game. You feel good about a lot of that, but. It's just to the point in Kirk Ferentz's tenure where anything short of that is going to feel a little disappointing. Anything short of winning the West and going to play for a Big Ten championship, even in a weird year, uh, even in a shortened season, uh, I really just kind of feel like that's where the bar is set pretty much year in and year out. Um, now, obviously, as, as you alluded to earlier, how you get to a certain record plays a lot into how you feel about that team or how you feel about that season or you know the expectations within a year as, as those change. Week to week Um So you know you certainly you could win a few really nice games this season, go five and three or six and two, and and feel okay about it. But it's not going to be a successful season if you don't go play for a Big Ten championship. And Iowa, I think as a program, uh, should just be in the position where we are competing for that every year. We you know it's it's not doesn't mean you get it every year, and doesn't mean it's easy every year. Uh, They're going to be down years. This is college football. But um, I think with the way that Kirk Ferentz has led this program and, and gotten him to this. I think anything short of that will be maybe not a huge disappointment, but it will certainly feel disappointing.
1: Yeah, and I think I think you can put the the Iowa football program in that same same boat with your with how the Iowa fans feel. That yeah. you know, just thinking back to last year in Madison, you know, doing post game interviews with with Kirk Ferentz and the players it wasn't hidden you could mm. see how devastated they were when they lost that game and pretty much knew that the division went out the window with the loss and it was crushing and that's kind of I, I think they're going into each season knowing that that's a game that they need to win if they want to get to where they want to go to um, and, and like you said I mean for them they had to move on after that and, and to their credit they did they came back and beat an unbeaten Minnesota team the following week end up as we talked about uh, winning a tough one against Illinois pulling out that win at Nebraska and then winning the Holiday Bowl so they came back and won the last four games after that so it didn't take them out of you know it it didn't deflate them to the point where they couldn't continue but it leaves something's missing there's it's it's hollow in a way to a certain degree when you don't attain your ultimate goal and that's the championship of the Big Ten
0: there's there's no doubt about it that that is the ultimate goal that that's where the bar is set and uh and hopefully the Hawkeyes can get back there if not this year very soon spending the last few minutes here on the podcast Rob moving to uh, to basketball as uh, as we are obviously all very excited about the potential of this Iowa Hawkeye team uh, Jordan Bohannon tweeted out a picture late last week of uh, a shirtless group of Hawkeyes and uh, one of the common things I saw was man Joe Tucson is a beast <laughs> I mean th- this kid is is put t- put together Iowa basketball then tweeted out uh, kind of a quote from Fran McCaffrey today praising uh, Joe Tucson I-, I you know I, I don't want to read too much into all of this or anything but um you know we we've talked about this as, as we've looked ahead to what a possible starting lineup would be if Joe Tucson is ultimately the starting point guard of this team I don't think it's a big surprise to a lot of people he is uh he gets a lot of credit um a lot of praise, not just from within the program, but but nationwide from uh, other coaches and, and analysts. Uh, he he played so well and, and kind of grew so much in that Big Ten season last year, really kind of found his place late in the season. Uh, it's it's hard to imagine that Jordan Bohannon doesn't come back and, and instantly start, and this is a team that's got a lot of guards and a lot of good players with a lot of experience. But uh, Joe Toussaint has certainly worked his way into that mix, and, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we come out with him as a starting point guard. No,
1: I mean I think it would be it would be entertaining if the Iowa basketball program uh, put out some video of practice. Yeah, because I've got to imagine those practices are. And I, we saw I think some photos last week of them practicing in masks. And then Bohannon tweeting out that he can get up and down the floor about twice without having to take a timeout <laughs> to breathe without the mask on. So they're doing everything they can to make sure they play a football season. They're being cautious, wearing like I said, wearing masks in. Five Five on five full court practice is really dedication and, and it's admirable um, but the practices must be fun to watch to, to watch this competition and, and it's a good problem to have Andrew that they have options um, it's options not only if everybody's healthy but if there's unfortunate injuries like we saw last year um, so yeah I, I it just gives Fran an option to match up whatever the opponent is doing, and then also create mismatches because he has so much versati- versatility within his lineup to be able to throw big lineups out there, smaller lineups out there, uh, defensive, more defensive-oriented lineups out there. Um, but I think, I think it was Rob Doster who wrote a, a piece last week about um, defensive metrics mm. and how that really. When you look at Iowa, and I encourage people to read that, if you look at Iowa, that's the question. Can Iowa be good enough defensively to be at the top of the mountain? Because we talked about football expectations where the bars set, Andrew. (laughs) That's a Big Ten West title. With basketball, what is the bar this year? I, I think it's a national championship.
0: I think you're right. I, th- I think it's a Final Four. I think anything short of a Final Four, and this is crazy to say, I can't even believe I'm about to say these words. I, I seriously think anything short of a Final Four and a, a a top two finish in the Big Ten, while you're where you're battling for that top, you know, maybe you end up a half game behind Illinois or or Wisconsin or Michigan State or something like that. I think anything short of that's going to feel disappointing, Rob. And again, I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth.
1: Yeah, but it's, you know, it's real. It is. Uh, You look around. I mean, we talk about, again, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's still basketball still will be played during a pandemic of, you know, at, at, you know, at least the beginning of the year. And we'll we'll have to see where it goes from there. Yeah. and there are unpredictable factors that could play into this. But if you're just looking at paper, on paper, at the teams around the country, Iowa's deserving of top five, top ten at worst, it's in position to challenge, you know, at least to start the season on paper. It is a national title <laughs> contender. I don't think you – I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to, yeah. to um, find somebody who is a, you know, a college basketball Uh, prognosticator to Say I was not a top 10 team. I, I haven't seen it yet this preseason. No. I, I would doubt we
0: will. I I agree with you completely. Um, you know, as we're, we're getting kind of more and more information trickling out about what a, what the season may look like, uh, we know November 25th is the start day for college basketball, but we don't know what a non conference schedule is going to look like or, or even a conference schedule, what bubbles may look like. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But John Rothstein did report last week. Uh, he has sources saying that the ACC Big Ten Challenge is is going to move forward with the plan that these games will be played on campuses. Uh, The current target date, December 8th and 9th. And I believe Iowa expects to have a, a home game or at least like in the rotation uh, is is kind of in line for a home game there, uh, so so likely a, a good ACC team coming to Iowa City uh, in early December. It'll be interesting to kind of see what their schedule, uh, how they build out that schedule with uh, you know games against Iowa State and and that sort of a thing, uh, the Gavit games if if that's going to happen. Um, but, but we do know that our, our, it's been reported, I should say, that uh, Iowa, the, the Big Ten ACC Challenge will be on campuses. It won't be in a bubble like they had talked about, maybe going down to Orlando and using the NBA's area as a bubble for these type of games. Uh, that That's not going to be the case.
1: No, and it's it's interesting to watch this stuff unfold, isn't it, Andrew? When it you is. see, okay, this is this here's another piece of the puzzle that we get, and and it's kind of, you know, the the Missouri Valley released its conference schedule last week, and then as you said, Rothstein talked about the ACC Big Ten challenge, and then I think the uh, one of the um, pre big preseason tournaments being played in South Dakota, yep. and so. You're kind of piecing this together. And where we are sitting now on September, what is it, 28th, um, you look at it, and if I, I think Iowa can play up to 27 games. So if one is in the ACC Challenge um, and, and you play 20 conference games, yeah. you have six other pieces there to fill. Do you do it in a bubble? is the Gavit Games a part of that so now you've played cuz cuz Iowa was going to play in the Gavit Games this year it was mm-hmm. it was scheduled to play in that again so that would be two so then you have to get into a smaller bubble or not play as many games i think there, i think it may have been Rothstein or Goodman that tweeted about potential bubble at Nebraska yeah and is Nebraska going to pull some of the teams that maybe Iowa and Iowa State could have pulled to a bubble in Des Moines When is You know When's the Big Ten Schedule come out A lot of Unanswered questions But it seems like We're getting You know Consistently as time Goes by We're getting Different pieces To this puzzle and they're all exciting to me. When, they, I, when I think about college basketball, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yes. Everything that comes out, I'm like, that's cool. Other than the report that the ACC wanted uh, to have everybody in the NCAA tournament. That was the <laughs> only report that I was like, get out of here with that. But You're right, though. all these other things, I'm welcoming yeah. you know with open arms.
0: Yes, bring it on. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Bubble? Yeah, please. Yeah, uh, These games on campuses? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, we're up for whatever. You have a, a, great, a great piece at HawkeyeNation.com where you kind of lay out a potential Potential bubble for for Iowa and and the Midwest. You know you've got teams like Iowa State, obviously Iowa, uh, Missouri coming up. Drake in Northern Iowa. You could have Nebraska, Omaha, Wisconsin, Milwaukee. You could even look at you know teams like Marquette, Colorado. Uh, there there are ways to to make this bubble. And you and I have talked about this for months now that there's this natural break in the schedule. Where uh, schools won't be on on campuses for the most part between Thanksgiving and the end of January, uh, classes will all be online. Uh, these these kids are used to being away for holidays anyway during college basketball season, and so um, it's not unrealistic to say that they could just kind of bubble up these regions all across the country you know a mix of high major and mid majors and get everybody the five six seven non-conference games that they need to get uh you could even have a uh, kind of a round robin thing where Iowa only gets to play five games but everybody else in the bubble plays seven uh however that has to come together it certainly could um and I, I really like th- this idea of this non-conference bubble. I think if, if Iowa could find a way to yeah play those two uh, the Gavit games and, and the ACC Big Ten Challenge and then find a way to bubble yourself with Iowa State because I really think you need the Seahawks game this year if at all possible. You didn't have it in football. You really need it in basketball and not just because I expect Iowa to run Iowa State out of out of the gym. <laughs> um, so if, if Iowa and Iowa State can find a way to bubble themselves up with a Drake, a I, and then a handful of other teams uh, I, I think that's a, a win-win for every and really, I, I hope to see that all across the country. I hope to see these uh, you know, six, seven, 8, 10-team bubbles just pop up everywhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas and just have everybody kind of knock out their non-conference schedule before they retreat back to their conferences and uh, and, and figure things out.
1: And great made-for-TV events, yes. too, because yes. you're not going to have fans, but most likely maybe parents. But um, really, it, it plays well for TV. It would sell well on TV. I think... And we saw this with the Missouri Valley. I believe Missouri Valley is going to start its conference play towards the end of December. I think we're probably looking at that for the Big Ten, Andrew. Yeah. Whereas the last several years, we saw those conference games kind of sandwiched in the non- conference at the end of November and the beginning of December. I think it makes more sense to push the conference games to the end of December now and then just play through conference where you can have your own protocols and testing and, you know, go about it that way. And and do a tr- more traditional finish your non-conference there between that, that November 25th and, and maybe a week before Christmas with that bubble in there and get your whatever it is up to seven non-conference games in there for each team.
0: I love it. I love it. It's as you said, all of it sounds exciting to me. All of it sounds great. I'm i uh, I'm on board for, for any and all of it. Uh, give me as much Hawkeye basketball as I can get though, man. Cause I, uh, <laughs> Even just talking about the expectations of this team has me excited. I'm like already looking past football, uh, which I which I should not do. Uh, Rob, what what do we got coming up on HawkeyeNation.com this week? What can people uh, be expecting?
1: Well, I'll write up an update on the Colbert situation today. Um, also, have uh, Hawkeyes in the NFL uh, mailbag podcast later this week. Um, Not sure what else I don't realize I'm still I was still planning that out When it was time To record this podcast (laughs) So um, Probably have something From Rick Brown Probably have something From Anna Kaiser Uh, I think Lucy's doing At least one Maybe two videos um this week so what w- i'm not exactly sure what we'll have but we'll have a lot of stuff
0: i love it i love it as always rob this has been fun thank you uh people keep up on HawkeyeNation.com and follow us on twitter and we will be back a week from now to talk about whatever happens this week uh, i appreciate it rob thanks man thanks andrew good to talk again man thank you for listening and go hawks